You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. We have, over the past uh, several weeks, been asking the question, why, a lot during this Christmas season. We started by asking, why was Jesus born? And we found out that he is one of us. That's why he was born, just like we were born. We asked, why a stable? What we found out was that Jesus was poor. We learned that success is not the way in life. We asked, why Bethlehem? Why a small city in an extremely small country? And we learned that God frequently uses the underdog to do his will. Prestige isn't the way. And today, we have a new question. This question comes from Matthew chapter 2. So let's tear right into it. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem Asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. Well, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. Now they went on and they quoted from the book of Micah a section that says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. From what we learn later, probably about two years before. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, Come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Herod was ruthless. He lied to the men from the east. In less than a year, he would actually kill his own two adult children because he thought that they wanted the throne. In verse 16, Herod commands his soldiers to kill all boys born in and around Bethlehem under two years old. That's why we say the star probably first appeared two years prior to this. At this point, Jesus is probably about two years old. It was nothing to Herod to order the death of every single male child under two in Bethlehem. In fact, it was so relatively common, it didn't even merit attention. Mention in history books. Bethlehem was small. 
The number of boys in Bethlehem that met this criteria, probably four or five. It was a relatively small uh, group. But the wise men had their answer. And so they traveled to Bethlehem. After this interview, the wise men went their way. The star that they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. These were wise men. They were smart. <laughs> they figured out what it was that Herod really was going to do, so they didn't go back to Herod. Instead, they see the baby, they worship him, and they give him gifts. Really strange gifts. They give him gold. That's a gift that you would give a king. They give him frankincense. Frankincense is an expensive perfume that was frequently used in temple worship. And they give him myrrh. Myrrh is another perfume. In the Old Testament, it's frequently used in temple worship. But during New Testament times, the only other mention that we have of myrrh in the New Testament is that it was used to wrap the dead body of Jesus. Myrrh was a perfume that was frequently used to anoint the body of a dead person as they wrapped it with cloth. Why myrrh? Why this strange gift? Well, the wise men came from the east. They probably came from the country of Persia. That is where Daniel was taken prisoner to. Babylon eventually became Persia. Daniel was taken there and was known as an astrologer, as a magician, a magi, if you would. Just what these guys were called. These fellows came from the same category of people that Daniel was. Daniel was a counselor for the king, and so he gains the name wise man. Could it be that they knew what Daniel had written about a coming king that would be born in Judea? Well, there's a passage in Daniel. The passage is actually not written in Hebrew, Hebrew is the language of the Old Testament, except 
for the first seven chapters of Daniel and some letters that occur in Ezra and Nehemiah written in the language of the Persians, Daniel has a vision. And he writes these words in chapter 7 of the book of Daniel, a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. And guess what the word anointed one is in Hebrew? Messiah, the Messiah. Until a ruler, the Messiah, comes. Now these wise men from Persia would have had access to Daniel's writing. Could it be that they read this passage when they saw that a ruler was born in Judea in the stars? And as they read, what did they find? They found that first, he would be a ruler, he'd be a prince, literally, is what it says. Where's the baby that's born the king of the Jews? That's what they asked Herod. How would they know that? Because Daniel said that that would take place. So they bring him the gift of a king. And the Messiah, this ruler, this anointed one, will also anoint and rededicate the most high place in the temple, the Holy of Holies. So they bring him a gift of frankincense to be used to rededicate the Holy of Holies. But the passage doesn't end there. It goes on. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. The Messiah will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The Messiah was to die. So they brought with them a gift that could be used in the temple, but it was also used to anoint the body of a dead person. What an incredibly strange gift. That's a little bit like bringing a gallon of embalming fluid to a baby shower. But it's all over the gospel. The Messiah came to die. 
It's so important that it's even hinted at here in his very birth. Jesus came to die. As I was looking for a passage that kind of focuses on this, I remembered Paul in the book of Colossians. You know, the center of the book of Colossians, about two chapters, starts halfway through chapter one, ends halfway through chapter three. Five different times, Paul presents a movement. It starts with Jesus' death. First thing that Paul says is that Jesus died. But it wasn't just any kind of a death. He died for our sin. And he didn't stay dead. Instead, he rose from the dead so that we too could have life. Jesus today perfects us. He takes us and makes us into the kind of people that he wants us to be. And as a result, we are to spread the news. Five times in the center section of the book of Colossians, Paul goes over this reality. Let's look at the first one. He says, now, He has reconciled you to himself. That's Jesus raising from the dead to reconcile us to God. He's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. Jesus died for our sin in his physical body. And as a result, he's brought you into his own presence You are holy and blameless as you stand before him because Jesus perfects us. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. We spread the news. See the four points? Not always in the same order, but you get them time and time again. Just a few verses later, Paul says this. This is the secret. This is the mystery. Christ lives in you. Jesus rose from the dead to give you life. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. Jesus perfects us. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Do you see these things? Paul just comes back. He he says the same thing over and over again, but in different ways each time. In the next chapter, Paul presents a new metaphor, an an agricultural metaphor. Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, that's God raising Jesus from the dead, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Let him perfect you. And with him, 
You were raised to new life. Jesus rose to give us new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Jesus died for our sins. Immediately, Paul presents a new metaphor. You were dead because of your sins. Jesus died for our sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. Jesus rose from the dead, and we rose with him. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus died for our sins. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly. He proclaimed it from the cross to everyone who was willing to see. Shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And then one final time in chapter 3, Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Jesus rose from the grave, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Let him perfect you. For you died to this life. Jesus died for our sins. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you'll share in all his glory. We spread the news. You see how Paul does this? Five separate times he goes back over these four central concepts. The gifts of the Magi at his very birth hint at the fact that Jesus came to die. But it wasn't just any kind of death. We died with Jesus. Or more appropriately, our sins Jesus carried with him on the cross. And when he died, he killed the sin that was ours. He nailed that sin to the cross. And then he rose. He rose and he left the sin where it was in the grave. And he said, now you can live a new life. Now you can be different. You can be new. You can be something different from what you ever were before. In this new life, if we are willing, Jesus will perfect us. He'll take us and help us grow. Help us become what he wants us to become. And then we spread the news. We let other people know. We tell others about what Christ has done for us. That is the message of the gift 
of myrrh. That's the answer to the question, why this strange gift of embalming fluid? It's because Jesus came to die. That was his purpose. But because he died, we can live and we shout to the world what he has done for us. Jesus didn't come to live a life of comfort. He came knowing that his life would be a sacrifice for us. He came knowing that he would give his life so that we could live. He lived his life for others. He knew that his own life would end with his own death. Our life might not end in the kind of a death that he died, but we are called to that same life of self-sacrifice for others. You see, if we're to make disciples who make other disciples, we need to live for others. That's what Jesus has called us to. That's what he did. We might not actually give our life for the others, but we can certainly give ourselves to others. That is the message of the gift of myrrh. Give yourself away. Live for others. Let them know of a Messiah who came to die, who died for them. Let them know that he took their sin as well and put it on the cross. And when he was buried, he rose from the dead, but he left that sin there in the grave. We no longer have to carry that sin. Instead, we live the life that he has given us. We live a life of sacrifice for others. A life that bit by bit is perfected. A life that announces what he has done for us. You know, as we come to the end of, of sermons, we typically will just give you a few minutes to think over some questions. Who in your life gave themselves to you? I suspect that each and every one of us has someone who has gone out of their way to help us. Remember that person? Think of that person. If they're still alive, give them a call today. Let them know how much you appreciate that. Who in your life gave themselves to you? Who in your life, in your sphere of influence, 
needs a special touch from Jesus. Don't just say everybody. Think of a person, one person. There's somebody out there that you can share Jesus with. Who in your life, who in your sphere of influence needs Jesus today? What can you do this week to share Jesus with them? Lord Jesus, we, we look back at the gifts that these magi, wise men, people from the East, gave to you and, and we're astounded. Frankincense, because you are king. Gold, because you are king. Frankincense, because you purified the temple. And myrrh, because you died. You died for us. You died to purify us. Help us, Lord. We can't die to take away the sin of someone in our life. But we don't have to because you've already done that. But if we don't publicize what you've done, if we don't proclaim what you've done, if we don't tell them what you've done, they may never know. Help us, Lord. Show us who you want us to talk to. And then give us the opportunity and the right words. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.